Welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology, talent and transformational change. With me, your host, Professor Sally Eaves. Hi, everyone, and a very warm welcome to today's episode, all focused on the latest cybersecurity developments across visibility and threat detection. I think any one of us would be hard pressed not to have either experienced the impact of a breach or to know someone that has, or an organization that we work with or care about as well. It's important to every single one of us. So to help shine a light on the latest developments and how best to protect ourselves, one another, and come together as a sector too, I'm joined by Chad Skipper, who's Global Security Technologist at VMware. Welcome, Chad. Thank you very much, Sally. It's great to be here. Always love to talk about security. You know, it's always an evolving landscape. You never get any sleep behind it. Uh, thing, threat actors are changing uh, their, you know, their methods and operations on a daily basis. So it's great to be here. I love that. I love the passion and energy that's coming through as well. Absolutely. That's brilliant, Chad. Thank you. So perhaps to open things up, let's get to know a little bit more about you and share that with the audience. It'd be great to know, you know your journey to your role at VMware at the moment and what you care about and the projects that are mattered along the way. A little introduction to set the scene. Yeah, so uh, my journey began in security, you know, almost 30 years ago, starting 30 years ago. So I I started out in the United States Air Force, where I was part of the Air Intelligence Agency, the Air, Air Force Information Warfare, um, in the mid-90s, where you know we were doing offensive and defensive capabilities, right? And this is where you know one of the first iterations of intrusion detection systems came to play, right? Uh, right at the time, Snort was around, and you know, the beginning of the commercially available firewall. So, you know, I remember spalling a firewall on a Spark 5, if that takes you back. So, and my journey has gone from there to spending, you know, almost a decade at Cisco, really understanding the network layer and, and you know, firewall intrusion detection, those types of things. But I also spent time, you know, at Dell and the office of the CTO and at Silence on the endpoint, really detecting and, you know, understanding those endpoint protection platforms. And then, you know, uh, several startups along the way, big companies. Um, lastly, is I was at last line as part of their network detection and response capabilities. And that was acquired by VMware right at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, in July 2020. I was thankful for that naturally. But uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a journey between, you know, endpoint and network and understanding of, you know, how those threat actors are using those those uh, two modems. Let's talk, talk that, that that way, right? and really trying to, you know, disrupt or monetize breaches. That's the two aspects of it. Absolutely. We'll definitely come back to that as well about that endpoint and network security and the power of that combination. But I love the depth and breadth of experience there. That's fantastic. And another synergy between us as well. So one of my first um, big tech roles was at the Ministry of Defense, funny enough, as well. So, uh, so yeah, a bit of a synergy yes. there from that perspective too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Got some great military background here for sure. Absolutely. Brilliant stuff. So perhaps as an opening question, we've touched on it already in terms of you know, the dynamism really of the threat landscape at the moment. I'd love to know from your perspective you know, what customers are asking you most for in terms of support and you know, what are they most challenged by in this rate of change with this scope and scale of security threats at the moment? Yeah, there's there's two things that come to mind and, and, and I'll go down this, this aspect of it. Um, one is visibility, right? Plain and simple visibility. 
And when we talk about visibility, our customers are asking for visibility into what I, I will just break it down into two areas, every packet on the network and every process on the endpoint. And having that visibility right there is, is the first thing that they're asking for is, you know, I can no longer afford to hairpin or tap or span only a percentage of my traffic internally because we know once the threat actor gets in, they're staying in upwards of 200 days. And that visibility inside of the organization is, is something that our, our customers are, are asking for. And we believe that, that we're delivering. That's number one is that visibility, right? Once you get that visibility across that landscape, then number two is the efficacy, you know, our, our ability to discern you know, those threat actors that are communicating, living in the noise of your network, using common ports and protocols, right, hiding themselves inside it. So getting that visibility first and then applying, you know, our, let's just call it our, you know, machine learning as an aspect, one thing, right, but applying our censoring technology on top of that data is very critical. So those are the two aspects that they're asking for us, right? Is visibility and then trying to ferret, you know, trying to get that threat actor, you know, either prevent or reduce that dwell time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more strongly. I think, you know, in conversations I've been having, um, two aspects have been coming to the fore in conversations. One in kind of how you combat the, the sophistication of the threat, but also the collaboration of bad actors as well, the kind of the rate and scale of that particular change, but also absolutely what you just said there about visibility and the fact that, you know, some types of threats are deliberately invisible, aren't they, if you know what I mean? So on one side, we've had things like denial of service, ransomware, et cetera, which always aim to be disruptive and they kind of like shine a light on themselves, so to speak. But other attacks, you know, nation states, for example, it's the very opposite. So absolutely yeah. identifying that is key. So, so that, that's absolutely right. So when we see from a, from, from a ransomware, it's a monetization and data destruction, right? And we're seeing double and triple extortion on these types of ransomware plays. Now, from a, from a nation state standpoint, um, there's many objectives that they want to do from that perspective. It could be IP, right? Just give me the IP. So eventually over the years, I can take you in your nation out and reduce your GDP, right? It could be getting into you know, uh, the power grids, those vulnerabilities out there that impact, you know, a mass amount of population. So it depends on that threat actor naturally. And then that from there, what that threat actor wants to do. Ransomware, monetization, absolutely exfiltration. And like you said, in the nation state, di very different disruptive capabilities there. Absolutely, absolutely. And another one in terms of these growing threats as well is around lateral movement. And I saw that you'd written an excellent blog on this as well. It's kind of really feature rich. I, lo I love that in terms of the way you took people through a journey. I wonder if we could bring that live to our listeners today as well, because I think it's a really important one in terms of, again, things that have changed and are increasing in scale. Right, absolutely. So just think about this as that journey. Um, once, you know, we've, we, you and I know, both know that the injury says it's not if, if it's not if, but when, right? So we, we've heard that now that that threat actor has gained that beachhead inside of your organization, right? Now he has unfettered access to that internal network. So what we call, you know, internal security, east west is what it's called at some times. But what they want to do is, is they want to discover. Right. So there's many different ways in which we can detect those anomalies, those discovery anomalies that are moving um, within your organization. But they're using common ports and protocols. Right. One of the biggest lateral movements that we're seeing out there is over remote desktop protocol, RDP. 
right? So given RDP inside your organization, the question then begins is how do I detect, you know, that anomalous RDP connections from those threat actors inside the network? Another one that you've got to be able to detect inside that network is command and control is just not north-south anymore, right? It is actually east-west in the organization because I can go and install multiple remote access Trojans inside of your organization and have those communicate east-west back and forth. So again, how are you detecting these types of things? And then we talk about Mimikatz, we talk about, you know, uh, credential access, uh, from those aspects, you know, threat actors gain access to that endpoint, that endpoint, okay, I can get cached information, as an example, I can get passwords. And then how are you detecting, you know, that anomalous movement using things like Pass the Hash or Kerberos or those types of things that are anomalies, but how are you getting that information? And that's where um, that east-west network traffic analysis is very important when it comes into understanding you know, you're normal, but what is an anomaly beyond the anomaly? What's a security relevant anomaly? Because you and I know anomaly doesn't necessarily mean it's security relevant, right? So that is the challenge that our customers are asking us to solve. And we believe we've done a, a, a very good job at doing that for them. Fantastic. It is to a certain extent as well as reducing the friction points and reducing and filtering the noise around that as well. So that move to being real time active intelligence, but knowing, as you were saying there, what is something to be concerned about and what is not and the benchmarking along the way. I'd love to drill into this more into the terms of how the protection, so to speak. Um, we kind of kind of alluded to it early on, really, in terms of this combination around endpoint and network security. And I thought um, something I saw recently about the MITRE evaluation was a yep. great way to bring this to life. Because, I mean, the results you had at VMware, I think it was 100% of critical attacks prevented in a particular area. Really impressive. Just shows what we can do to address all the challenges we've brought to life so far. Could you explain a bit more about that? I think it's a really tangible one. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'll go back just a little bit. We have actually had two tests done against us, right? The first network detection and response test by SE Labs was done, and they were detecting, uh, you know, they were testing us against, you know, advanced persistent threats, APT3, APT29, FIN7, Ulrig, those types of things. Because what, what, the, what we're seeing in the industry is, even though that these nation states are developing these tools, cyber criminals are using those tools, modifying those tools, and using them for their own campaigns. And so MITRE has taken that approach as well. In the recent MITRE test, they tested you know, the carbon black endpoint detection response, as well as the NSX network detection response in combination. And they were used two advanced threat actors against those. And what they're doing is, is they're stepping in and they're replicating exactly what those threat actors are doing. They're not doing PCAP replays, right? They're actually taking those payloads, taking those threat, uh, those artifacts and doing those post-exploitation activities within their cyber range. And that's where Carbon Black and the network side. So remember earlier, I was talking about every process and every packet. That's where we come in, carbon black, every process, network detection and response on the NSX side, every packet. And across that, we had visibility, goes back to the visibility. And across that, we had the visibility. And yes, that MITRE was detect, MITRE wanted to know, can we prevent at certain parts across that attack chain? So can we prevent the initial access? Can we prevent maybe the credential access or the lateral movement and those types of things? And in their um, execution of that, we were able to prevent where they wanted us to prevent along the attack chain because in, in, in a lot of organizations, 
you're going to go in, you're going to have certain areas where you feel comfortable in preventing across that attack chain. It might not be at that initial incursion, but it might be that command and control. If I can stop the communications, then you know what, and then I can go and, and take a look at what was damaged here. But that gives them an understanding of where we are across that attack chain and, and where we needed to be, have that prevention capability. So between you know, the carbon black endpoint detection response, every packet, and the NSX NDR every sorry, every process in the NSX NDR, every packet, we believe we have a strong solution there. And it showed in the last two tests, one with SE Labs and the most recent one with, uh, with the modern folks. Apps, that's really, really impressive. And I've done quite a lot of testing in my background as well. I think one of the things I love about the MITRE testing in particular is properly real world. You know, it's, it's kind of, it is real life. You can't redo things, you know, that kind of thing. It's really, really reflective and really vigorous as well. So I really think that's an impressive one to kind of bring to life for people about the power of that combination you're describing there. So brilliant yeah. stuff. Thank you. Perhaps at this point as well, we can we can sidestep on a, on a purposeful tangent. I think it's so, so important when we talk about the technology that makes a difference for cybersecurity, all the other things that support that. Now, I always like to talk in pillars. And so we've got a lot of things around culture, process, we've always mentioned a little bit as well, but also skills element that kind of creates that shared responsibility right mm -hmm. across an organization for, for helping to negate these types of threats. So what would you advise and what are you seeing that's making a difference across these different supporting areas to help organize? organizations optimize their posture. Yeah, so we're seeing a lot of communications, right? So the XDR Alliance is, is coming out soon, right? And there, we're, we're, we're becoming members there. Um, you know, there's the Security Cloud Alliance. There's a lot of alliance out, alliances out there. Um, but when it comes to that type of, you know, security, security posture, you know, we take the approaches is, you know, we're at scale here. Security is at scale, right? And so from a human perspective, you can only ascertain and, and look at so much and you're not going to be able to keep up. So we are here to enable, right, and augment as, as, as an example. We have to augment um, our, our security operations, right, the folks that are consuming the product. We have to enable them with the most um, up-to-date information on those IOCs, right, how the threat actor is communicating exactly what that threat actor has done across its tactics, you know, what stage as it is in within the organization. You know, we saw initial access, are we seeing command and control? Have we saw it move laterally? We, we got to, we got to give them a blueprint, right, of what that threat actor is doing in that organization. And then on top of that, we have to provide what I call sometimes threat hunting capabilities or a reverse engineer in your back pocket, right? Wouldn't it be great if I, if, you know, I have the ability, I don't know what this artifact is, can I give it to my solution to where it can tell me if it's benign or malicious, right? So we have to augment um, and, and help at the end of the day, our solutions are here to, you know, either A, prevent, and that's, that's, that's the golden standard, right? Prevent, but knowing that in, at the end of the day, if it's not preventable, we don't have that, if you're not wanting to do that, it's, it's reducing the dwell time of that threat actor inside that organization. And how do we augment and enable those you know, ones that are consuming our products to effectively do that? Fantastic. And I, I also asked my audience a little bit about some extra kind of questions that could come up in this conversation as well. One that's come through quite strongly is around are you seeing differences in terms of type of threat and support available SMB versus enterprise, or is it a similar type of, of 
kind of threat, just the scale is different. I wonder if we could just drill into that a little bit, because again, around education in particular, I think there can sometimes be a misperception about the support that's available well, you know, to organisations of any size. So I like to frame it security at any size, and you'd love to get that message across about what support is available for people. Yeah, that's a great, that, that, that's a great question. What I, let's talk about futures and where we need to do to bridge, right, the SMB and, and what we call the enterprise, right? Because the SMB has different requirements than what the enterprise does. And so what we're trying to do is bridge those two gaps to where it's more consumable, right, for the SMB to be able to act quickly as we know they wear 17 different hats in the organization, right? I mean, it's a smaller scale, um, and we've got to be able, like I said earlier, augment them, right, with those skills that we can provide within the technology itself. At the same time, there are advancements that the enterprise needs relative to anything down to, I need the policy, uh, the security policy to follow, right, my virtual instance wherever it goes inside the organization, right? So those are different types of requirements that we're seeing at the scale of of threats that we're seeing targeting those organizations. Now, when it comes to the scale and threats that we're seeing in those aspects, you know, I can tell you about the numbers that we're seeing, right? And and, and relative to, um, you know, top lateral movements, right? In the organization, they're going to use your common ports and protocols, whether you're in the SMB or whether you're in the enterprise, right? They all use SMB. Small message block, right? Not not small menu business, right? They all use RDP. They all use DNS. They all use HTTP and HTTPS, right? SSH as another one. So those are still impactful in no matter what segment that you're in. And so we're taking a broadened approach there at, at that specific aspect, right? So same, they're using the same ports and protocols, whether it's in the SMB or whether it's in, in, in the enterprise, where we begin to see a divergent of these things is actually the exploits, right? Because there are some applications that are more prevalent in the enterprise than they are inside of, uh, of the SMB, inside the SMB. So, you know, Log4Shell Shell as an example, very prevalent, doesn't matter who you are, right? But if you're really going into, you know, things like Apache, Tomcat, those aspects of it, that's more on the enterprise side than necessarily on the SMB. So we're seeing different types of attack variants on that aspect. But at the end of the day, it comes down to um, protecting those assets, no matter what vertical, right, or, or, or how big your organization is. And we like to believe that we're trying to mesh that together to be both valuable, you know, both for the the smaller SMB aspect of a house and also the large enterprise that has to protect hundreds and thousands of people in their organization. Does that help? It's super helpful. Absolutely. That was really the, the message I wanted to get out to people there. So you absolutely hit the nail on the head. It is really important to get that clarification out there for people. So thank you. Brilliantly done. That's fantastic. Um, and on that note as well, again, in terms of things that are changing for all types of organizations, there was a really interesting piece. I saw you'd commented on it as well um, by Tom Kellerman, who's head of cybersecurity strategy at VMware. He had made the comment to say that non-public market information is now the new currency of the dark web. I'd love to drill into that a little bit more. It's a really interesting piece. I'd love your take on that too, if I may. So you and I have both been in, you know, Ministry of Defense, right? Air Force Information Warfare Absolutely. Center. Absolutely. Right? One of the, 
it goes back to um, espionage 101, right? I can gain classified information through your unclassified documents from unclassified means, right? So having the ability to know, um, as Tom said, non-public market information, right, um, um, is the new currency of the dark web. What they're trying to do, right, is, like I said earlier, they're trying to gain that initial access. And once they get into the organizations, we're seeing two things happen. Either A, I'm deploying a remote access Trojan so that I can move laterally and gain information around non-public market information so that I can impact the trading on the outside, sell short, sell high, whatever that might be. That's number one. Or number two, they're deploying crypto mining, right? To where they begin to crypto mine. So that's where Tom is coming from is yes, non-public information. Once I get it, everything that we talked about today, once I get in, discover, move laterally, they're going after that non-public information to impact the stock market, right? And, and so that that's that's exactly some of the aspects that we're seeing from, from, from the threat landscape. Super interesting. And as we start to bring things to a close now, perhaps a nice way to do that would be having two ways. Maybe if we can, for some people, you know, knowing where to start with, with these things can be quite challenging. I always kind of say, you know, audit where you are and benchmark from there. But perhaps we could share you know, anything to take away for the audience, for places to look for more information, support where to start. Um, but also, again, questions that are coming into me at the moment are where to look next? Where are you seeing the next kind of threat vector coming from? So anything around that particular content, I think would be really valuable to kind of bring our conversation to a close today. Yeah. So you ask where to start, right? Yeah. Where, 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 where do we start? And, you know, there is a process and procedure for any organization uh, on where to start. So I'll just, cyber hygiene is where you start to begin with, right? Hygiene, right? And part of that hygiene, I'll just talk a little bit is, uh, you know, something on your endpoint, right? Right. And then segmentation, micro segmentation. If you start off with something on your endpoint and then on the network side, you can begin to segment, micro segment, you're just reducing the blast radius, right? That That's good, but we all know that threat actors, even within the radius that they are segment, they're gonna, they're gonna use common ports and protocols. So that's where you begin to add things like network detection response and those aspects of it. And so you can build those things as, as, as you move forward. And, and we talk about, um, uh, 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 futures, right? I can just tell you some of the things that I'm seeing from a technology side, right? Uh, threat actors are, are moving from, as an example, 32-bit to 64-bit type uh, of malware, right? And, and the reason that they're doing it is, A, um, they're getting better at, at evading you know, a perimeter fences, right? They're doing that because they can, as they move this, you know, 64-bit, there's better debugging capabilities in their own code. They can share it within the dark web and say, look, you know, how can we change this? Because we know threat, we know that they're looking at our strings and they can understand, you know, a common commonality here. So, you know, from that perspective, we're seeing a lot, we're seeing things move from, from that aspect, from a, you know, DevSecOps, on, on the threat actor side, right? Does that make sense? So that's, that, that, and, and, and we're seeing those evasive, more and more evasive capabilities that are coming out of these threat actors. That is, and that is only going to continue to rise. And number two, um, we're only going to see more network, internal network communication. And we're only going to see more of those threat actors living within the noise of your network, right? 
And, and, and that is, that, that is, that is some of the aspects that were, you know, future looking, that's what we're seeing. And we're going to see more and more and more of that in the future. So it's very important to get, like we said, to help that close out, right? Every process and every packet, right? You can't see what you can't protect, right? If you can't see it, you can't protect it. So, um, and that's what I would close with. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Let's make the invisible visible. I couldn't agree more. That's right. Honestly, that's absolutely spot on. Thank you so much. Honestly, absolutely packed with information there. And what we'll do as well, you mentioned quite a few different reports there, some case examples and kind of what might come next. So we'll make sure we share that in the show notes as well so people can follow up on all those different examples. So Chad Skipper, honestly, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. If you enjoy what we're doing, please subscribe to us and leave a review. It really means a lot. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and see more behind the scenes video footage on YouTube. Thanks for listening.